1: Before we get into our episode today, all of us here at Basketball History 101 want to acknowledge the passing of Coach Bob Knight. He was a controversial figure in the world of basketball. He was a man capable of extremely vile words and actions, but he was also a man capable of extreme loyalty and friendship. He raised millions of dollars over the years for charitable causes, and to help improve the facilities on the campus of Indiana University to help all of the students, not just the basketball players. We did a three-part episode of the life and career of Bob Knight just earlier this year, so it is with great sadness that we extend our heartfelt condolences to Bob Knight's family and friends. We are sorry for your loss. Now on with today's episode. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is a podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old school basketball to a new school audience. And today we bring you the second half of our profile on the great Jerry Lucas. In last week's episode, we went through his high school and college career. He won two Ohio State championships as a high school player and also won a national championship with Ohio State University while losing in two other championship games. The guy won everywhere he went. He was a three-time All-American at Ohio State and a two-time National Player of the Year. The one thing that I did not mention during last week's episode for the sake of the flow of the story was that right after Ohio State won the National Championship in 1960, Lucas was named to the United States Olympic team and competed at the Rome Olympics that summer. The two captains of that team were Jerry West and Oscar Robertson. Lucas started many of those games in Rome where the United States won the gold medal. In fact, we did an an entire episode on the 1960 US Olympic basketball team. It was episode 121 if you wanna go back and check that out. Up until the 1992 Dream Team, the team from 1960 was considered the best US team ever assembled. So you can add an Olympic gold medal to all of Lucas's accomplishments. He really was an absolutely incredible player. But let us now pick up where we left off last time. Lucas had been drafted by the Cincinnati Royals, but the negotiations for his rookie contract fell apart. Part of the reason is that Lucas had other options. He was an incredibly intelligent man who could have easily moved into the corporate world with his degree from Ohio State and probably made close to the same money as what the NBA was offering in 1962. What Lucas did was to put the Royals in a tough situation because he signed a contract with the Cleveland Pipers of the American basketball league or abl now please do not confuse the abl with the aba these are two separate basketball leagues now the thing with lucas is that it was not only the royals who wanted him to suit up but the nba as a whole wanted lucas to join the league he had superstar written all over him as he left ohio state i mean after all he was the two-time college player of the year. He was sure to become a superstar in the NBA. So the NBA, as a league, tried to convince the Cleveland Pipers to leave the ABL and jump over and join the NBA. If the NBA could bring over the entire Cleveland organization, then they automatically land Lucas as an NBA player. The problem is that this type of a move requires a unanimous vote of the existing NBA owners. All of the owners were on board with this expansion of bringing the Pipers into the fold, except for one, the Cincinnati Royals. They did not want another Ohio team joining the NBA, and they certainly did not want a team coming in with Jerry Lucas, the very player that the Royals were trying to sign. So, the deal was canceled, and the Pipers went out of business before Lucas even played a game with them. So, what did Lucas do? He signed a personal services contract with a marketing firm that did promotions for all kinds of products. So Lucas really did what he told the Royals he would do. He took his degree and got a corporate job. However, Lucas was smart enough to only sign a one-year contract with this marketing firm. His main duties that year were to raise awareness in putting an expansion NBA team in Cleveland. And they even put in an application for a new team in Cleveland, which was denied. So after that year was over, he decided he wanted to return to playing basketball. So in the fall of 1963, he reached a deal with the Cincinnati Royals where he would join his former Olympic teammate Oscar Robertson in the starting lineup. For the Royals to have a local player like Lucas really helped with ticket sales as well as victories. The team also had wayne embry and jack twyman two all-stars that was a formidable lineup by any standard lucas averaged 17 points and 17 rebounds in his rookie season and made the all-star game now very few players make the all-star game as rookies it is a very small group that includes grant hill Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Yao Ming, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Michael Jordan, among a few others. In fact, he made the all-star game in all six seasons that he played in Cincinnati. He was a star in the league from his very first game. His averages for his time in Cincinnati were 19 points and 19 rebounds per game. Now, let me put that in perspective for a moment. Dennis Rodman is considered one of the greatest rebounders in NBA history. Some even say that he is the greatest rebounder in league history. In Rodman's best season, he averaged 18 rebounds per game. Jerry Lucas averaged 19 rebounds per game for the first six seasons he played in the league. The only reason his rebounding dropped a little bit when he left the Royals was because he played for a couple of years next to Nate Thurman in San Francisco and he was a monster rebounder himself. Then Lucas moved on to the Knicks where he played alongside Willis Reed, again, another monster rebounder. In any case, Lucas was as good as they come in the NBA. In his rookie year, he had several 30 rebound games and even won. 40-rebound game. He is still the only power forward in league history with a 40-rebound game. Now, in his time in Cincinnati, he had a powerhouse lineup to go alongside him, and they had hoped to challenge for the title. Unfortunately for the Royals and for everyone else in the league, the Celtics still had Bill Russell and they were winning everything in sight. So while the Royals did not achieve the team success that they had hoped for, Lucas did win some individual honors, like being named the MVP of the 1965 All-Star Game. In 1969, the Royals named a new head coach, the great Bob Cousy. They were hoping that some of that Celtics magic would rub off on the Royals. It did not. Kuzi wanted to run a fast-break style of offense like the one he played in with the Celtics. And in order to run, he needed to get rid of Lucas, who had slowed down a bit after six years in the NBA. So, Lucas was shipped off to San Francisco, where he played a couple of very productive seasons alongside Nate Thurmond, as I had previously mentioned. But after a couple of years in San Francisco, Lucas was on the move again, but this time he was headed to the already loaded New York Knicks. The Knicks had already won a championship in 1970, and now they were looking to reload. They needed a guy like Lucas to come in and help bring some more rebounding and a bit of scoring. And I will share about his time in New York right after this break.
0: unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876 including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynever.com, ROW number 1 for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes.
1: Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of Jerry Lucas. He had already played in Cincinnati and San Francisco, but now he was joining the already loaded New York Knicks. He was 31 years old when he joined the Knicks, which made him quite old by the NBA standards of the day. However, he was joining a team that already had Dick Barnett, Bill Bradley, Dave DeBuscher, Walt Frazier, Dean Memminger, Earl Monroe, Dave Stallworth, Phil Jackson, and the captain, Willis Reed. Now you know what I mean when I say that that team was loaded. They had future Hall of Famers all over their roster. And what they needed from Lucas was to fit in and find his role, which was to rebound and score a few points. He contributed 17 points and 13 rebounds in that first season with the Knicks to lead the team in rebounds. And in that first season that he was with the Knicks, they won the Eastern Conference and made a trip to the NBA Finals. And after winning the first game of the Finals, They lost the next four in a row to the Los Angeles Lakers, and they were sent home. For Jerry West of the Lakers, it was his first championship in eight trips to the NBA Finals. Now, the Knicks knew that they had a strong squad. Few changes were necessary. They got back to work and came back strong the following season. In 1973, they won the whole thing. And they went back to the Finals and defeated the Lakers four games to one, and Jerry Lucas finally had his first championship. He played one final subpar season in 1974 and then retired. He knew that he was slowing down significantly and he could not contribute in the way that he was used to but what to do next. I mean, many professional athletes struggle with what to do after retirement because they mostly have relatively few skills other than playing their sport. Now, I know there are exceptions to this, of course I do. Some athletes go into broadcasting or coaching, some go into business, but many do struggle, but not Lucas. I have mentioned several times during this episode and in last week's episode, just how intelligent Jerry Lucas was. And I want to dive into that for a moment jerry lucas had what many would call a photographic memory it is what helped him get straight a's in high school and college he had such an incredible memory that he even wrote books on how to improve your memory he started a toy company that created toys and games for kids that helped them to improve their memory and he got the nickname mr memory he went on talk shows where he would display his prodigious abilities he would recite pages upon pages of the new york city phone book he even memorized the dictionary It was almost beyond understanding how he did this in all he wrote 70 books most of them on memory and education and one of his most popular products was something called the lucas learning system which helped people with learning and memory if jerry lucas had not been blessed with extreme height and athleticism he probably would have become a university professor and he was inducted into the naismith basketball hall of fame in 1980 that was his first year of eligibility So why don't we talk about Jerry Lucas as one of the great players in NBA history, or at the very least, one of the great power forwards in league history? It seems to me that great players are only talked about for about 20 to 30 years after they retire. Once 30 years go by, players seem to be forgotten no matter how great they were. In one way, it makes perfect sense. After about 30 years, the people that watched that player begin to disappear. In other words, the number of witnesses for a certain player begins to shrink. I mean, how many people are still around that remember Bill Russell from his playing days? Hardly any. And how many people can remember watching Will Chamberlain play on TV? Again, hardly any. Or Oscar Robertson. I feel like an old head because I can still remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Dr. J and both of those players are starting to approach the 30 year mark from their retirement. And soon they will begin to disappear from the basketball consciousness as their fans also begin to disappear. And I am not even that old. I'm still in my 40s. But this is why we do this podcast. I want to go back and make sure that players like Jerry Lucas stay a part of the conversation. He was an incredible player and an incredible rebounder and should be considered one of the greatest power forwards of all time because he really is one of the greatest power forwards of all time. By the way, he is still around. He is 83 years old and living in California. So. Here's to Jerry Lucas and the other great players from the 1960s and 1970s. I believe it is important to keep their memory alive and remember how great they really were. Well, that's it for today. Join us next time when we share the story of the history of the NBA logo. It has gone through five versions over the years, and we will share those changes and discuss if maybe it is time for the league to change it again. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Year. Go to SportsHistoryNetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast there you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon.